Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Season 3, episode 11, I think? Gingerbread. So, hey, welcome back. First podcast episode of 2019. Um, if this is your first time tuning in to my Buffy podcast for some weird reason, you decided to start in the middle at some random episode. Um, I, my whole thing is I recap, rewatch, and review every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. This podcast, because of the nature of that, also includes other episodes, um, you know, I talk about other stuff too, because I don't, you know, sometimes there are gaps where there's no Buffy episode to talk about for a few months and I don't want to like leave you guys in a lurch. So, um, anytime you see that the title of the podcast episode is the title of a Buffy episode, then you know I'm talking about Buffy, but I like to talk about other pop culture stuff too. And every once in a while I throw a little personal podcast in there as well, um, which is a good segue into just, I'm going to get all the business stuff out of the way first, and then we'll get into talking about the episode. I decided that, um, many of you guys know, I also have a radio show. It's called Mixtress Radio and it airs every Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can get to that by going to my website, mixtressray.com. Um, and it's, it's kind of a live thing. I, I mean, it is a live thing. You have to tune in at the time that it's on in order to hear it. So last night I had a show wherein I... I talked about, I had this project, this silly project idea that I started at like the beginning of 2017. I just wanted to like close the book on it. So I decided to do it in my radio show. And it's this, I decided to pick my favorite movie from every year that I've been alive. So for me, that's 1982 up through 2018 last year. And it turned out to be like, just looking at the, at that particular list of movies is not a comprehensive list of my favorite movies. So it was like kind of a project that I just sort of got uninspired by and didn't ever finish it until this week. And um, I ended up, like my radio show usually is a very personal radio show and it's one of the things I really like about it is that, you know, a person has to tune in at that time to hear it and then it's gone forever that's it. You know, I don't save the voice files or anything like that. I delete them off my computer after like a week or so. And that's it. They stop existing. This podcast actually started as being the podcast version of my radio show where I just edited all my, um, voice intros for my radio show together, slapped them on a podcast. It was very weird. <laughs> like, um, the first, you know, 20 or so episodes of this podcast before I started doing the Buffy recaps were a little clunky, but, um, that was the roots of this podcast. And anyway, last night as I was doing the radio show, it was just one of those nights where like not a lot of people were able to listen. And, um, I actually was, I talked about some political stuff throughout the night. You know, I talked about how I felt about a lot of these movies. I brought up the born sexy yesterday trope, which is in a lot of movies. And I just thought, you know what, this is a rare instance in which I was making some good points 
during the radio show and not a lot of people were able to hear it. So this particular radio show, so there's going to, all of this is leading up to say, there's going to be a bonus episode of the podcast. I'm not sure if it will go up, like as you hear this, if you're listening to this the day it came out, um, January 12th, 2019, then it's might be up sometime tonight, um, just depending on when I can edit it together um, and put it up. So basically what I'm going to do is what I used to do at the very beginning of this podcast. I'm going to edit together all the voice memos um, that I recorded for the for the radio show. And so you'll hear me saying things like, you're listening to Mixtress Radio and um, next you're going to hear and then I'll list some songs or you just heard, you know, so it's going to be a little clunky to listen to. However, in the show notes, I will have, um, a link to the playlist of the songs that I played on the radio show. So it'll just sort of be like a little bonus episode. I probably don't even need to tell you about it here because this is not what you're about to listen to, but just in case, you're interested in that. It's going to be coming up, if not today, in the next few days. And um, and I'll be back next week with the, another episode of the Buffy podcast, of course. Like, it's still primarily a Buffy podcast, but I think every once in a while I might pepper in one of these Mixtress Radio conglomeration podcast episodes, and that is the case this week. So, um, just a warning, that's coming up. <laughs> And also I came up with an idea of something that I want to do this year by far, like especially when I was going through this list of like trying to decide what my favorite movie of every year that I've been alive is, I had the most movies that I really, really love, the most choices, the hardest decision to make in the year 1999. So now that it's 2019, I am able to take the format that I apply to the Buffy podcast and I think I'm going to apply that to my favorite movies of 1999. So I went through last night and um, I still need to do a little bit more research, but I wrote down the release date of, you know, like 15 or 20 of my favorite movies that came out in 1999. So my general plan if it all works out, is I'm going to do what I do with the Buffy podcast, but with movies throughout the year as well. So there's going to be new episodes of the podcast peppering in that are me talking about my favorite movies of 1999, exactly 20 years after their release dates. So I'm excited about that because um, I'm so glad I thought of it. Because, like, for the longest time I've known that 1999 is, like, my favorite year for movies. For whatever reason, there's just so many movies that came out that year that I love. So, um, I'm glad I thought of it at the beginning of 2019. I don't think I've missed anything yet. Um, this is going to be a fun project, and I hope you'll go on the ride with me for that. So, if you ever see an episode of the podcast that's entitled the matrix or whatever i guess i've already talked about the matrix on this show but i'll do it again i don't care then you'll know that it's part of that movie project so just a couple of things coming up in the podcast i also it might be too early to talk about this but my michael does not listen to this podcast so he won't know that i'm already talking about this and he'd be the only one that would be upset by it um he is working on a theme song for this 
podcast. I'm super excited about about it. He does like a ambient synthesizer type music. Um, and he's working on kind of a spooky little um, reminiscent of the Buffy theme song, but not the Buffy theme song. So I will eventually become a podcast like other podcasts. I might sound like a real podcast once I have an actual theme song. So I'm pretty excited about that because um, I, I, I just, I already have kind of heard a little bit of what he's working on and it sounds cool. It sounds spooky and minimalist and ambient and I can't wait to share it with you guys. Although he's the type of person that sometimes it takes him months and months to feel like he's ready to be done with something. So it could very well be like season four of Buffy before we actually get to have a theme song on the podcast. But either way, it'll be worth the wait. Um, so I think that's all I got for business. If you guys ever feel like, you know, leaving me some money in a tip jar, PayPal is a great way you can do that. Um, PayPal.me slash Mixtress Ray, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. And um, I also have a Patreon if you'd like to subscribe to that. I I thought I was going to have a bonus podcast feed going on on the Patreon. I guess what I should probably just say at this point is... I probably need to get to a certain number of patrons before it will feel, I'll feel like it's worth it to do that because right now I only have two patrons. <laughs> it, a really good friend of mine, Ruben, and my mom are my two patrons right now. So, um, which is great. I, I love all, I love that. I love that I have patrons at all and it's great to get support no matter where you're getting it from. You're hopefully everyone gets support from their parents, <laughs> which is a good segue into what we're talking about in this episode of Buffy. Um, support of parents. My mom would never burn me at the stake. Just saying. Um, so I love that I have my two patrons and they're very important to me, but um, I probably won't have the energy to set up a podcast feed that only two people can listen to. Um, so right now, what I'm, all of that is to say, I'm talking you out of becoming my patron. God, I suck at being a business person. Um, there aren't really any bonus benefits to being a patron right now, but um, eventually there will be. So even if, you know, if I get five or more patrons, I will probably start setting up some, some bonuses for you guys. So um, only three to go till we get to that milestone. So if you'd like to become a patron, it is patreon.com slash mixtress. Ray, Patreon is patron with an E in between the R and the O. And then mixtress Ray again is M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. So let's get into the episode. So I was like, I was thinking about this episode. I dread this episode of Buffy. I dread watching it. It's like one of those ones that sometimes I'll skip when I'm going through the episodes. Um, I don't think of myself as liking it, but it surprised me. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But as I was thinking about doing my normal thing where I watch it and I take notes and blah, 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 and think about things and do research and be super thoughtful and then record the podcast, I thought, you know what? 
I feel like almost every reaction, I have watched it once already. I always watch it at least twice. My reaction while watching it, it was one of two things almost throughout the entire episode. Either I was super pissed off at something that was happening, or I was just laughing my ass off. It was just like one of those two reactions. It was either like total nostalgia, fondness, laughing, or what the fuck, Joyce, what are you doing? So I thought it might be fun to do this episode a little differently than usual. I'm going to do one of the, I'm just going to do a watch through with you right now, basically. I'm going to press play and every time I have thoughts, I'm going to um, resume podcast and tell you guys about it and then pause podcast, resume, you know, I'm going to watch it live with y'all right now. And <laughs> um, I'm going to create a point system. So I've already got it all mapped out on my sheet here. Here's what I'm doing. The point system is going to be, I am either going to give the episode points or take points away from the episode based on, you know, based on how hard I laugh at the jokes, I'll give it a certain number of points. And every time I'm pissed off about something, I'll take away a certain number of points. And then we'll total it up at the end of the episode to see that point system. And we'll factor that into our regular point system. Apparently I'm creating a bunch of math for myself because why not? <laughs> And I also have two other categories, Joyce badness level and Sheila badness level. So Sheila is Willow's mom. And this is the one and only time we will ever meet any of Willow's parents. Like ostensibly her parents are still together, but I'm pretty sure this is the only time we ever see Willow's mom. So they're going to get, since they're both terrible parents in this episode, to their daughters. They're going to get, um, every time I take points away from the episode because of something shitty they did, they're going to get points added to their badness level. This didn't sound complicated in my head when, but say, saying it out loud sounds complicated to me. <laughs> Essentially, for example, I take five points away from Joyce because she, uh, decides to burn her daughter at the stake then she'll get five points in her badness level as well as the episode getting five points taken away from it. See, it's, it's not that complicated. <laughs> it just takes me a lot of words to explain things. Um, and then we're going to do our regular ratings, of course, of, you know, favorite outfit, favorite quote, favorite object, all that stuff. Um, and we'll talk about that at the end. So let's get into it. I'm going to go ahead and start the episode, start counting up some points, and I'll check in periodically and let you know what's going on. Okay, it's only been like 15 seconds of the episode so far. I'm giving Buffy two points for wearing the same trench coat that she was wearing in the last episode. I always love it in TV shows when you see characters actually re-wear clothing. Um, that doesn't happen a whole lot in Buffy. Um, I, I don't, I just think that, you know, if most of the time TV and movies are portraying like middle-class or lower middle-class people, like poor people are more interesting. And so like, it's always very unbelievable to me to see them in a new outfit all the time. So Anyway, I'm giving Buffy two points for wearing the same trench coat that she was wearing in the last episode. She's in the cemetery. She's patrolling. Her mom shows up 
to hang out with her while she's patrolling <laughs> with she's like I just brought a snack and she's got this like gigantic black or brown paper bag like grocery size bag full of I don't know what is in that snack and a gigantic thermos so I'm giving Joyce um four points for for effort I mean she's kind of terrible at getting involved with her daughter's life so that tracks in general so I mean even though it's ill-advised for her to show up patrolling with Buffy I think this is coming from a good place so I'm giving her four points for that <laughs> Um, should I put that into Joyce's badness level? If she's good, does she get negative points in her badness level? No, that's just uh, getting too complicated right there. Okay. Okay. Huge yucks already. So a vampire attacks in the cemetery um, and Joyce is just sort of like, backseat helping like he's over here get him Buffy you know and then <laughs> and then Joyce says oh my god that's Mr. Sanderson from the bank so I added two points for um Joyce Joyce's backseat um slayering not great but hilarious okay maybe they're not in a cemetery because um Buffy kind of chases the vamp off or the vampire runs away and she chases after him and she tells her mom to stay and she's she kind of wanders off and sets the snack down and they're in a playground so that's when Joyce discovers what we will later find if this is your first time listening to this podcast it is not a spoiler free podcast so we're about to find that um Hansel and Gretel which we will later find out is who basically who these two dead kids are Joyce is about to discover discover these two dead kids so that's all that's happened the vampire ran away Buffy went to stake it and Joyce had a moment alone where she just sort of like picked up a little toy truck and then she noticed the two kids and there's a symbol that is like a triangle with a little swirly through the top of it um, that is on the palm of probably both kids but I think you just in this first shot you see it on the palm of one of the kids the police are there the police are never involved they really you know this is very uncharacteristic right here I think this is I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take three points away from the episode for this because normally Buffy would immediately talk to Giles or something like that this is they have no reason to think that this wasn't a supernatural killing um, and they go on thinking that it is a supernatural killing yet they still call the police so they're all there and like it's some time has passed and Buffy and Joyce are still at the scene and Buffy sort of tells her mom they say we can go now so they obviously have questioned them and like why are they getting the police involved because it's always the show has always been about distrusting the police and you know how are they going to do a proper investigation of what happened to these kids if it's supernatural which they believe it is when the police are involved you know what I'm saying um so definitely taking that's my another the first what the fuck what the fuck that doesn't make sense this is not the way that this show does things they're just involving the police to make it seem different this time I guess is the whole point interesting dynamic here so 
Joyce is really, really upset, and Buffy ends up sort of comforting her in a way that, you know, usually a mom would comfort a kid. But since Buffy is the Slayer, she knows how to handle this, and she kind of tells her mom, I know this is, she says, everything's going to be okay. And her mom says, how? Like, you can't make this right. And Buffy just sort of says, I know, but I'm going to find out who did this. And she hugs her, and she comforts her. And, um... She also tells her to calm down, which that's never a fun thing to do. And that's how we segue to the scene of the next day in the library, Buffy talking to Giles. And the next thing that you, she she's telling her mom to calm down. And then the next thing you hear her say in the scene with Giles is, don't tell me to calm down. So she's f- totally flipping out. Um, and Giles is comforting her. So as was pointed out in the Buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast, which I like to think of as our sis- as my sister Buffy podcast, even though they probably don't know I exist. Um, they pointed out sort of this little comforting hierarchy, you know, like Giles comforts Buffy, Buffy comforts Joyce. <laughs> like, um, interesting. And then who's comforting Giles? Very important question. I would like an answer to. Okay, I would comfort Giles. So Giles, um, after Buffy draws the little symbol that was on their palms, he says, usually the use of a symbol in this way suggests a ritual killing by a group of people. So he doesn't know what the symbol means yet, but, um, this is, it's suggested at this point that it's probably humans that did this. So I forgot that aspect of it, so I thought I'd point that out. Um, we get some interpersonal, you know, moments throughout the episode between Xander and Oz, which we haven't really gotten. I mean, we've seen them kind of in a room together, I think, at this point since the incident, but. Um, this is the first time they're sort of directly talking to each other after. Um, the fact that Oz can forgive Xander is just, it's so big of him. It's so big of him. So I'm going to give the episode three points for um, Oz being able to forgive Xander. So basically, the first conversation you see between them is they're, they happen to be next to each other in the cafeteria line and Oz has just put a burrito on his plate. Um, let's give the episode another point for Oz having his black nail polish as per usual. So he puts a burrito on his plate and like Xander's like a burrito and then Oz is like yes this is a burrito. <laughs> Confirms it is in fact a burrito and then um, it continues on. I think Xander's about to be really like he has a couple of like ridiculous evasive nervousness moments in this episode of like he's trying to act like he never he's never alone with willow like when people ask him if he knows where she is and stuff like that um he acts really evasive and weird and twitchy and i think that really hurts his case so since we know that's coming, let's take four points away from the episode because of how weird Xander is. Like, he really hasn't been, I mean, it's, it's natural for him to act weird around Oz because he 
is an asshole <laughs> and he made out with Oz's girlfriend. You know, it's understandable for him to act weird around Oz, but he never really, I love to have seen at least some focus on Xander apologizing. I would love to have seen him actually overcoming his fears of like admitting what fucking happened and apologizing directly to Oz and apologizing to Willow and apologizing to Cordelia. Like maybe not apologizing to Willow because they were in that together. It was totally consensual, but you really don't see him apologizing to Cordelia or Oz. And I feel like if he's supposed to be one of our main characters that we love, then he needs to, we, we need this, you know, we need him to apologize in order for us to feel right about him. And we never get that. In fact, that is actually a big sticking point for me. So I'm going to take 10 points away from this fucking episode because that's pissing me off right now. And this point system is completely arbitrary and sub arbitrary and subjective. So I do what I want. Okay, Joyce shows up in the fucking cafeteria as Buffy is telling everybody, um, everybody being Xander, Willow, Oz, and Amy. So this is the first time we've seen Amy since... Uh, I feel like we may have seen her since The Witch in like a couple episodes just for like a minute. Oh yeah, well, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. But have we seen her beyond those two other episodes? Not much, but this is the first time we've seen Amy in a while. And she's kind of got a more goth look to her. Her hair is darker and um, she's like wearing dark lipstick and dark clothes. And I think we're supposed to think she's goth, but it's very subtle. So she's sitting with them at the cap in the cafeteria and um, Buffy's sort of telling them what's going on. And I, I, at first I was like, why are you saying this in front of Amy? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess Amy really knows what's going on. Like she's a witch. She knows all of this. So I'm taking five points away from the episode when just a combination of Joyce showing up and Buffy sort of, and she's asking, what does Giles say about this whole thing? And I, I mean, Buffy couldn't have known at this point how crazy her mom is about to get, but she tells her mom that Giles might think it's a ritualistic occult killing. And I think Buffy's normally a little more, a little more observant than this and to see, and usually she's a little more distrusting of her mother than this. So I think this is kind of uncharacteristic of her to trust her mom this much, to tell her this much information when they still don't really know anything and her mom's freaking out. And this is, this is the moment where, you know, the freak out is going to tip, is, is a tipping point. And Joyce sort of reacts what, after she says occult ritual killings. Joyce is just sort of like, uh, like witches. And both Amy and um, Willow are just sort of like, <coughs> getting awkward at the table. And um, at this point, Joyce is still somewhat reasonable. Like she says to them, oh, I know you guys like think that stuff is cool, but um, nobody cool could have done this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Buffy takes Joyce out side the cafeteria into the hallway and kind of talks to her like, you know, um, usually we sort of like, we can figure this out. Like, 
but Joyce is sort of insisting that she really wants to help in this situation and Buffy's being nice about it. She's being gentle with her. She's like, well, maybe you can go talk to Giles in the library. And Joyce is like, um, well, I called everybody I know. We're setting up a vigil. And so um, I, Joyce's badness level has now jumped to three. Um, I have the Sheila badness level up to two because Willow has already made two comments about her mother while um, Buffy was telling everybody that her mom showed up at patrolling last night. Um, Willow was like, oh my god, your mom cares enough to do that? And then after she takes her mom out into the hall, she says to everyone else, oh, I'm glad my mom's not paying attention to anything I do at all whatsoever. So Sheila gets a badness level of two so far and Joyce Joyce gets two badness level points for her like setting up a vigil bullshit and she gets one for something she did earlier. I don't know. I talked about it already. Okay, major badness level points for Sheila here. So Sheila shows up at the vigil and um, she, first of all, she doesn't know Buffy's name. So she gets one badness level point for calling Buffy Bunny. Then she is like, oh, Willow, you cut your hair. And Willow reacts by saying, yeah, it was a sudden whim I had in August. And as you know, since we review every one of these episodes exactly 20 years after their original air date, it has been a solid four months since, four or five months since Willow cut her hair and her mom hasn't noticed. So Sheila's badness level, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and... Mm, how many points? I mean, like, how bad of a parent are you if you don't notice that your kid cut their hair five months ago? That is extreme on a level that I don't even understand. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, uh, that's 10 points. That's 10 points for Sheila's badness level, which brings her up to 13 already. And she is just jumped on screen. Okay. Given some points, um, <laughs> I don't know, should I adjust Sheila's badness level when she does something good or not? Not, right? Not. Um, I will give the episode points if Sheila does something good, but her badness level stays the same. So I enjoy every time Sheila does like a little like smarty pants psychological observation thing. So she, she says something, she starts to say something about how she recently co-authored a paper about how adolescents, their interest in the occult, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like me being the, I, I have a Ravenclaw mom. Okay. I can't help that. <laughs> I, I just kind of want to hear a lecture about that, you know, like, oh yeah. Yeah, adolescents like the occult? Sure. I'm ready to take notes. Let's go. So um, I'm going to give the episode three points for Sheila knowing about um, co-authoring a paper. Okay? She co-authored a paper, goddammit. Sheila is a career woman. All right? She doesn't notice when her daughter cuts her hair, so she's taken it a little too far. But We'll get into that when we talk about the treatment of women in this episode later. This is a witch hunt episode, so we're definitely going to get into some talking about the treatment of women. Okay, here we get into, um, so the mayor just sort of introduces the vigil situation, and then he introduces, and he just says, you know, like, typical political person shit, you know, just like, this is a horrible thing that has happened. We will find out who did this. 
I pledge to you never again. And um, then he introduces Joyce and she comes up. And first of all, Joyce has got balls. She sticks it to the man. This episode gets five points because Joyce tells the mayor, I think you're wrong. Um, this is not a good town. And then she says, she kind of like points out how everybody's just constantly pulling the wool over their eyes in this town about all the like shit that happens all the time. So, um, and then she says, I was supposed to lead us in a moment of silence, but silence is this town's disease. So, you know, even though this is going to a bad place, the beginning part of this speech, Joyce having the guts to stand up to the mayor in front of everyone by saying this is not a good town blah 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 blah, and i like that i like the ballsy thing five points to this episode for joyce being ballsy and saying silence is this town's disease because she's not wrong but then she has this whole speech about you know um this town doesn't belong to us anymore it belongs to the monsters and the witches and the slayers so Real dick move there, Joyce. Minus 15 points for the episode right there, which means that's got to be... I mean, that's a real dick move. It's not quite up there with not noticing that your daughter got a haircut five months ago, but close. It's a little more aggressive and public. She's calling her daughter out, and she's like aligning herself against you know the things that her daughter stands for because of something that was not her fault and she's beginning to turn on her and blame her for what happened to these kids so i am gonna say joyce's badness level just jumped up 10 points which means her and sheila are tied at this point okay next scene we're seeing a goth boy we've never seen him before black rocking the black lipstick the black nails the black eyeliner um so it's him amy and willow doing a ritual together and goddamn their ritual sp space looks cute they got that symbol so that's it's supposed to this whole scene is set up to look really nefarious but they've got all these like um they've got candles i've got it paused right now they got candles and bones everywhere where the fuck do they get all these bones lots of animal skulls um, they got a pestle and mortar. They got some herbs. They got a cauldron. I mean, it looks great. <laughs> this whole ritual space looks great. I want it. Um, please find me an altar cloth that has this symbol on it because we later find out that the spell that they're doing right here is a protection spell that Willow is doing to, is doing with Amy and this goth kid. I forgot. I think his name's Michael. Doing with Amy and Michael um, as a protection spell for Buffy's birthday, which is next week. And, um, so she doesn't know that this is the symbol that was written on the kids' palms. It's a symbol that wishes used for protection, apparently. I wonder if it actually is, if they just made this symbol up for the show, or if it actually is, like, a Wiccan symbol that is used, um, I would like to find that out, but I'm not sure exactly how to look that up because there's no name for the symbol in the, um, I mean, I guess I can, I'll look it up. I will look it up and I'll let you guys know by the end of the episode if I find anything out about that. 
So I'm giving five points to the goth boy just for existing, even if it's only for this episode. The goth witch boy, I like that. I, I want more plot lines with the three of them. How cool would that be if we got like, like little moments of Willow's budding witchcraft relationship with Amy and Michael? You're like, how cool would that be if they had set this relationship up so you knew that these three people were doing spells together and hanging out together and they're like a little mini coven and like, I want a whole movie about this. So five points for them doing this spell together and just for this little, this little witchy moment that we get. Um, we really hardly ever see Willow bonding with other witches. Um, we really only see it with Tara because they're setting a relationship up between the two of them starting next season. We really don't ever see her actually hanging out with other witches and doing spells together. So this is a, I mean, it's just a tiny little like 15 second scene, but it makes me very happy. So five points for the ritual and five points to Michael the goth boy. Okay. Not sure how many points to give this, but another great moment. Immediately after you see the ritual, it's like the next day, and some guys are ganging up on Michael, the goth boy, and they're shoving him up against the locker, and he's just like about to get beat up, and a bunch of people are watching, and all Buffy has to do, she walks up, she makes eye contact with the main bully guy as he's like pushing the goth Michael up against the um, lockers. She makes eye contact with him and sort of cocks her head at him. She says nothing. And he immediately like puts Michael down, straightens his shirt, backs away and walks off. Like he's with a gang of, oh God, I just noticed at least two. They're all like, you know, big jock dudes and two of them are black. So I think that kind of points to the racism of Joss Whedon right there. Like the only time we see people of color probably in this entire episode is right now. And they are part of this bully pack. So I'm going to take, I'm going to give 10 points to the episode for Buffy only having to give a pointed look to a bully before he retreats completely. That's how much power she has in this school. 10 points for that, but I'm taking away 10. So it's just, you know, coming out even because this is probably the only time we will see any black characters at all. And they will be in the background if we ever see them. But in this case, they're in the background of a bully situation. So taking 10 points away for that. You know what? Actually, that is a big issue. I'm taking 20 points away for that. Yep. Um, Side note, didn't notice this before, but since I have it paused, I can see that goth Michael is wearing an onk necklace. Love it. Okay, great moment of Cordelia um, just being an ass to Buffy, but she sort of says, you know, expect, uh, expect badness when you hang out with losers. Um, and then she reminds, believe me, I know. And then she says, that was a pointed comment about how I used to hang out with you guys. <laughs> Uh, giving the episode five points for, I mean, every time Cordelia's an asshole, she does it in just the best possible way. So five points to the episode for that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take away another 20 points 
No, let's say 15. This is not quite as an egregious um, situation as having black people only in the background of bully situations. But um, just I just need to point out, like I do, that there's zero traces of faith in this episode. Nothing. It's just like she doesn't exist. They don't think about her. They don't talk about her. They don't mention her. She's not shown no faith at all. Minus 15 points. Um, Giles catches up with Buffy right after the like bully scene and then Cordelia confrontation and says um, that it might be witches. Like he's done some research into the symbol. This is kind of, let's take away five points right here because in Giles's research, he has found that it's connected to European Wiccan covens, this particular symbol, but he still doesn't know anything about it. Like at this point, he should know that it's a symbol for protection. It, I mean, if he knows that it's connected to European Wiccan covens, like he, why would he assume that European Wiccan covens would sacrifice kids? Like he knows that Wicca isn't bad. <laughs> like. Wicca's not bad. Witches aren't bad. Even in this show, they're not considered bad. So that's bullshit right there. Taking five points away from that. And he says something about how he needs to find out more about the symbol. He thinks it might be in a book that he lent to Willow. So Buffy's trying to find Willow right now. Buffy kind of starts looking through Willow's things as Xander is going on a total fucking monologue about how everyone judges him. I have a genuine complaint here. Isn't a man innocent until proven guilty? And then Buffy's just like, you are guilty. You had illicit smoochies. You got to deal with the consequences. So three points to Buffy for, um, you know, just totally disregarding Xander's whole bullshit. Um, I took points away for this particular instance before it even came up, but I'm going to go ahead and take another three points away because as self-involved as a Xander rant is, it's pretty annoying. So three more points taken away from that. Then Buffy's sort of looking through Willow's things. She's in the bathroom and um, she sees the symbol written on one of Willow's notebooks. Totally cute little notebook too. It's like one of those like little baby cheap like 70 page notebooks but the paper is pink and she has the symbol sort of sketched on um one of the pieces of paper so uh then willow's being a little evasive because at this point apparently there's some sort of thing with the spell that it doesn't work if the person knows about it so she's working on this protection spell to as a gift for Buffy's birthday. So you see her being evasive at this point. You don't know that piece of information. You see her sort of being evasive and closing the, the notebook and calling it a doodle. And then Buffy says, this is a witch symbol. And Willow's like, yeah, it is. And, um, but she's being a little weird. And then the cops show up with principal Snyder. They're doing a locker search. They're searching everyone's locker. And this was Joyce's idea. So that is five points added to Joyce's badness level and um, 10 points taken away from the episode because <sighs> bullshit searching through people's lockers. I remember this being a thing though in high school. Um, it was definitely a thing. 
I don't know if my locker ever got searched. I don't think so. But just the whole, especially post-Columbine, which is about to... It's about to happen. <laughs> Columbine happened, uh, what was it, April, May of 99? The Columbine shooting. Luckily, I live in a small enough town that, like, you know, it wasn't... Mostly what happened with our town was a lot of, like, don't wear trench coats or Marilyn Manson shirts. You know, it was all about controlling people's dress codes, like, which is completely arbitrary and doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But, like, yeah, this is pretty egregious, searching through every kid's locker, and they basically just start taking people away. And... Let's go ahead and talk about it now because I know it's about to happen. They're about to go into, or they're already there, I think, um, in the library. The people are confiscating, like, all of Giles' books. And he has most of his collection of, I mean, he has some stuff at home, but he has most of his collection of you know, all of his Watcher books, all of his demonology texts, all of his research texts are all in the library. So this pisses me off so much that someone would destroy someone's library, that someone would take someone's books away. Like censorship has gone too far if you're fucking with people's books. That is the worst thing. It just... That angers me more than anything else is that Giles has to just stand there while people are taking away all of his books and later those books get burned. He never gets them back. I mean, that's never really talked about again either. Like in the next episode, basically just business as usual. It's not like his shelves are empty. He still has books, but they really should have given a little bit more weight to this plot point. I mean, I get that we're supposed to be upset. This whole thing is a witch hunt. Of course, they're going to take away Giles' books. But I think that should have been dealt with more thoughtfully because that's a really big deal. Like, we should see consequences of that in future episodes. We should see Giles' shelves being empty. We should see him every once in a while bringing up that he used to have that particular text that they need right now, but it was taken away because of Joyce. You know, there should be bigger consequences here. So Joyce led the, she was the impetus behind the locker search and taking away Giles's books. Like she's in charge of this whole situation. So again, taking 10, giving Joyce's badness level 10 points. And I'm taking away 40 points from the episode for this awfulness of taking away Giles's books. That's inexcusable. Okay, minus five points because um, we do see another person of color, but this person of color is represented by, he's one of the cops that is, you know, breaking into the lockers and helping facilitate taking kids away. Where are they taking them? I don't know. Um, so minus five points for that. Also, Xander is preoccupied. This whole time, people are searching people's lockers, taking people away, confiscating everything that's kind of witchy. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And Xander is preoccupied because he has playboys in his locker. So we're going to take another three points away for Xander being fucking selfish as hell, as usual. 
Okay, um, I love that when Giles is super angry, at least in this instance, his um, vocabulary just gets more sophisticated. I mean, like, it's always sophisticated, but when he's angry, he uses words like homunculus and marauders. <laughs> he just sort of, like, yells at Snyder, um, and Snyder says, oh, so fierce. <laughs> so I'm giving five points to Giles for being feisty and fierce. Sheila says, identification with mythical icons is perfectly typical of your age group. Another moment where I want to be like, yes, Sheila, tell me more. I'm ready for this lecture. I love that. Identification of mythical icons is perfectly typical of your age group. Um, so I was going to complain about something, but then I was distracted by Sheila's amazing quote. <laughs> Okay, we're about to get a lot of Sheila Badness level here. Um, she grossly generalizes her daughter. I mean, as she's saying that quote that I just met, repeated three times, she's grossly generalizing her daughter. So at the, I'm giving her uh, two Badness level points for that. And Willow's about to, you know, like decide that she wants attention from her mom for the first time in at least five months. And so she starts like telling her things like I do spells. I can call f upon the four elements. Well, two right now. And you know, she starts like telling her things and her mom's just sort of like dismissive of all of it. She's like, okay, no, calm down. You're acting out. And then Willow just goes on this whole speech of like, escalating levels of, you know, first she was telling her the truth. I can call upon four elements. Well, two right now, but then she starts escalating because her mom's still not reacting and like listening to her and believing her at all. And she starts saying, well, actually I worship Satan. Um, come fill me up with your black, naughty, evil Satan, you know, like, and she starts like really actually acting out. And her mom's just dismissive of her the whole time. She's going through all of her like witchy things or whatever. And at, I think she grounds her. The only thing her mom reacts to is when she says, I'm dating a musician. And then she says, oh, Willow. <laughs> it's just perfect. Um, oh, what I was reacting to before Sheila. So this scene is Willow and her mom at home. So we're seeing them at home, um, talking in the living room. Very nice house. Um, it's obvious that like, I think it's been mentioned before that both of Willow's parents are psychologists or professors or something like that. So, um, seeing more of Willow's house, you can definitely tell that this is the case. Um, what I was reacting to was the first mention of Moo mothers opposed to the occult. I think this is perfect that they create an acronym like that for this particular episode. So I'm giving the episode five points for coming up with Moo because it's perfect. It's just, it's perfection. Um, and when it's first mentioned, Buffy's like, okay, who came up with that lame name? And Snyder's like, I believe you call her mother. So Joyce's badness level, I mean, Moo is perfect, yes, but her badness level goes up three points for coming up with that fucking acronym. 
Um, I've got to point this out. Um, giving three points to the show for just having this exchange. Um, Willow kind of says, look, the last time you we've had a conversation over three minutes, you were talking to me about the patriarchal bias of the Mr. Rogers show. And then Sheila responds with, well, with King Friday lording it all lording it over all the lesser puppets it's just another moment there's been three moments where i'm like yes sheila what else you got i've never thought of mr rogers having a patriarchal bias i want to hear more about this which okay we got to add to sheila's badness level just for this this exchange in general though because it's it's so interesting how this episode, like almost every time I'm giving points to the episode because of a certain comment, I'm also taking them away for the exact same exchange. Because even though that was a funny little exchange right there about the patriarchal bias of the Mr. Rogers show, it, within that lies the implication that Willow just said the last time we had a conversation over three minutes, it was about the patriarchal bias of the Mr. Rogers show. Does that mean that the last time they had a conversation over three minutes, Willow was fucking five? Eight? That is hugely disturbing. That's way more disturbing than not noticing her haircut for the last five months. And that was really disturbing. So I'm going to up Sheila's badness level. Shit. I'm going to double it. She's got 15 right now. I'm doubling it for that comment by itself. Because that is very neglectful mom situation. I have no idea how Willow is as well adjusted as she is, if that's the implication, which is another problem with this episode in general, because they're setting up a lot of really dark shit that they don't follow through on. That's really fucking dark. You know, like your mom's so uninvolved in your life that they haven't had a three minute conversation since you were eight. Um, that's. I mean, and it's just a nice little joke, and it was funny. That's all they thought about whenever they wrote that into this episode. But that's an implication that I really think should have had heavier weight, just like the fact that Giles' books were all just taken away. That should have been treated with much more gravity than it was. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Should I, I just took away three points for that, but should I take away more? I probably should. Or did I take away three points for something else? I don't know. Fuck it. Whatever. I'm taking away 15 points for that bullshit right there because they do not go deeper into that. Like, we always know that Willow's mom is neglectful, but I mean, it's just the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, Sheila badness level and Joyce badness level need to go up equally in this next portion because... Um, Sheila tells um, Willow that she can't see that Bunny Summers ever again. So three points added to her badness level. And then the next scene is Joyce telling Buffy she doesn't want her to see that Willow anymore. Which I understand why they made her say that Willow. Because that's something that parents say when they like feel like they're, they're just intentionally being unfamiliar with someone. So they'll call them that whatever. But this is really particularly shitty coming from Joyce because she knows Willow personally. So maybe an extra badness level point to Joyce because she actually knows Willow and to call her that Willow is really disgusting. Like I get that like Joyce is under a spell here, 
but it's, yeah, anyway, okay. Okay, Joyce's badness level jumping up some more because, um, shit. She goes into this speech. This is where she really, she's already taken it too far, but this really pushes it over the edge. She, so her, she has this whole fucking moo headquarters set up in the dining room with posters everywhere with the kids' faces and like a, a dry erase board with the grid on it and some check boxes. Who knows what that's all about? Um, and Buffy's like, look, they, you started this. You ordered the raid on the school today, didn't you? Like, that's our private lockers. First syllable, lock. Also, they took all of Giles' books away. And Joyce is like, well, he'll get most of them back. We're just going to weed out the offensive materials. And then Joyce just like sort of lays into Buffy because Buffy says, look, I, I know you're just trying to help, but, but you got to let me handle this. This is what I do. And Joyce says, she basically says, well, you're not very good at your job. Like, that's not exactly what she says, but she just kind of tells Buffy that she sort of reacts to things like, is the world running out of vampires? You know, like you don't have a plan. You just react to things. It's not your fault, honey. You know, you're just not very good at your job. And that is shitty. Like, I know Joyce is under a spell, but this is shitty. So five points added to Joyce's badness level. One, two, three, four, five. And minus 10 points to the show, because this is another moment that is very, has very much gravity. Has very much gravity? Yeah, that's a great sentence it really should have gravity because this is a big deal. When your mom betrays you in the way that she's betraying Buffy in this episode, you don't just get to pretend that didn't happen when the spell is broken because it's, it doesn't, they're not really showing it to be a very, I don't know, like people's actions make it seem like it's a pretty effective Hansel and Gretel spell. However, I just don't think that they're telling the story correctly because all Joyce is seeing is like apparitions of these dead kids talking to her. Pretty disturbing, yes, but they shouldn't be able to talk her out. They shouldn't be able to talk her into burning her own daughter at the stake. They're not really showing Joyce being out of it necessarily. It's just like she has just completely turned on her daughter. You know, they're not really driving the point home that this is a spell that's making Joyce do this, which I think is what they want us to think. It's just, it's making me really, it feels too real. I just, you know, mm, yeah. I gotta take a coffee refill and pee break. So not that you guys need to know that information, but that's just what I do. I tell you guys when I have to pee, I do that. So you know that already. Side note, Buffy's lipstick in the scene when her and her mom are having this exchange is great. It is beautiful, dark brown, um, pretty much my favorite lipstick color. <laughs> I have a color extremely similar to this that I keep in my purse at all times because you never know when you're going to just need some dark brown lipstick. Like, let's go. It's kind of my signature thing. Brown lipstick. <laughs> let's give the episode two points for lipstick choices. Why not? All right. Um, we get Angel for a second. Um, Buffy's really upset after she talks to her mom. So she goes out to patrol. I'm assuming she 
called Angel or something? Because he shows up and she doesn't seem surprised that he's there. She's at the, um, she's at the playground where there's like a candle vigil set up at the playground for the kids. And, um, which looks really realistic, honestly, pictures of the kids everywhere, candles, they're all, it's all set up on the merry-go-round. There's a teddy bear and ribbons everywhere, pink and blue ribbons for the boy and girl kids and gifts laid out everywhere. It is something that society does. The, this reaction, despite the, this whole reaction, this episode this is what society does. This is, this episode is all about the mob mentality, obviously. So anyway, Angel shows up and he says, people are talking. People are even talking to me. And it was pointed out, this didn't occur to me naturally, but it was pointed out in the buffering podcast that, um, this is kind of a powerful moment. This is what happens when there is a big tragedy. There's this unique thing that happens in our society. When we start actually talking to each other about something other than the weather. <laughs> um, cause it's like collectively you're going through something. So you might actually have conversations with strangers. So that was just an interesting little moment. So he hugs Buffy. I don't, do we really know at this point? I mean, they held hands at the end of the last episode. I'm going to pay attention here to see if they do anything romantic. It's just a tiny little scene just to show that Angel still exists. Why don't they give us tiny little sh scenes to show that Faith still exists? Minus five points to the episode again, because I'm still mad about Faith. Okay, here's an interesting little moment that was probably intentional. So Buffy's talking to Angel and she's like telling him what her mom said about her being the slayer is a fruitless thing. And then she says, and he's comforting her and she's like, well, really? Like, is Sunnydale actually any better since I came here? You can't know ever, Buffy, but yes, it is. We saw what it would be like without you there in the wish. We saw it just a few short weeks ago, like maybe a month or so ago. We saw it. It is better. Buffy, it's better now. Okay. Another moment of simultaneous, like, Aw, and also, really? Um, so as Angel is comforting Buffy, he says some really nice things. You know, he says, you know, I don't know a whole lot about this life. There are a lot of things I don't understand, but I know that we keep fighting and we never win, but that's not the important part. The important part is fighting and, you know, saying great sage shit, saying some of the same exact shit that Buffy said to him in just the last episode that can, prevented him from killing himself. So great stuff that he's saying. Two points to the episode because he's saying three points to the episode because he's saying some nice things to Buffy, but I'm also going to take three points away. So I should have just, I should have just not wrote anything down there because that cancels it out because it doesn't make any sense to me that he would be, that he would be feeling this way. Like, how long has it been since amends? I guess it's been almost a month, like three, four weeks since amends. I, I don't feel like he would have a complete turnaround like this already. That he would be ready to give sage advice to Buffy and tell her that 
we're never gonna win but it doesn't matter we have to keep fighting like that's what she fucking told you this episode wants to give tremendous credit to angel for saying this shit right now when they it refused to give credit to buffy the show refused to give credit to buffy for saying the exact same shit before (sighs) i mean he does say i learned that from you (laughs) like yeah that was three weeks ago like this is literally the last thing we saw from this show was her telling him that exact same shit like maybe this would have a little bit more gravity if it showed up in an episode that happened like a month from now but okay I hope that sounded okay. I just literally put my earbuds. I just wanted to you guys to have that moment um, with me of listening to Giles yell at his computer. So I'm giving the episode five points for Giles yelling at the computer because that made me very happy and I hope it just made you happy as well. Um, but I'm going to take three points away from the episode because of this thing that they do. Like every once in a while they'll set a full heavy-ass late 90s desktop computer up on the table in the middle of the little like octagon area where they usually do all their research and shit in the middle of all the shelves of books and I find that bullshit if there were a computer in the library which there should be a computer in the library in 1999 there should be but he wouldn't haul it out and plug it in and then haul it back to whence it came in a dusty corner somewhere every time he needed to use it (laughs) so just that kind of shit bugs me i know it's nitpicky but they could easily show i mean since giles obviously has disdain for computers he would reluctantly have one in the library because like somebody set it up and made him have it there whatever but it should be somewhere like they should have a little set piece of like a dark dusty corner of the library where giles goes when he has to use the fucking computer it should not be set up on the table only when they need it that is ridiculous three points away from the episode for that um just want to point out we see Giles's minty glass mug twice in this episode. It is here in this scene, and we saw it earlier as well. So um, love that minty mug. I actually have one myself. I don't know if I've told you guys before, but it's been the first time it shows up. It's my object of affection. I've already talked about Giles's minty mug. It's like a milk glass type um, mint green glass mug gorgeous i have one of my very own now thanks to my aunt my aunt and my mom i think it was a collaboration they tracked it down somewhere in an antique store and got it for me recently and it was i'm so happy to have it um i'm slowly acquiring some of my very top objects of affection from from the buffy episodes i also recently acquired a fuzzy leopard hooded coat i bought that with some it only cost 20 bucks, but I bought it with some Christmas money that I received. Um, it's not exactly like the one that Buffy wears in one scene of one episode, but it was so cute because she was like drinking a big gulp in her fuzzy leopard 
hooded coat while she was waiting for vampires to show up and it was just such a beautiful little scene and I've wanted a fuzzy leopard coat ever since I saw her in one and I'm here to tell you dreams can come true I've wanted that fuzzy leopard coat ever since possibly ever since 1999 I wish I knew just a little side note um nostalgia side note I first started watching Buffy as it was airing, but not until season three. So we're in season three right now, obviously. You guys know that. I don't know what the first episode was that I first started watching, and I really wish that I did. I would love to have that information, but there's no way for me to find out. It's not in my memory, and I didn't write it down anywhere, so I don't know, and I will never know. Um, Because it would just be so awesome to know when I started watching it live. Um, that would just be cool. My personal watching of Buffy, I've told this story before, but, um, it's kind of, it, it, it's sort of tragic because I didn't, I knew that it existed, but I thought that I had already loved the movie and I thought, oh, they're going to fuck it up with the TV show. I'm not even going to watch it. So I refused to watch it until a boyfriend had me start watching it in season three at some point, don't know when. But immediately after the culmination of season three, in my particular area, I, I, I think the network that I was watching it on no longer carried the show or something. I don't know the logistics of how it happened, but it was no longer available in my area all through season four and five. So I wanted to be watching it, but I couldn't watch it until season six when it went to the UPN I had UPN Um, my mom had cable and we had UPN so when season six started I was able to start watching it again but I had no idea what had happened what had happened throughout the entire season four and season five I could not watch so I immediately was pushed into the storyline of Buffy being resurrected from the dead and how dark season six was (laughs) And I, I was able to catch up, I think, with reruns at some point during season six, so I wasn't completely in the dark about what was going on. But I, I think I wasn't, I don't know why, but I don't think I looked up, like, online, like, what had happened and stuff like that. I don't think I, like, was adept enough at being online in 2001 and 2002 like I chatted with people and sent emails but I don't think I really looked a lot of stuff up yet so I I really just had to put things together via context when I first started watching season six like okay Buffy was dead for a while I guess um Willow has a girlfriend now okay that's cool uh I just remember being so confused and so sad that I could not watch season four and five as they were airing So as it was actually airing, the only seasons I saw as they were airing were some portion of three, six, and seven. So unfortunately, even though I was the perfect age to be watching Buffy as it was airing, I only saw three out of the seven seasons as they were airing. Unfortunately, that is the truth. Um, Weird little side note, let's get back to the episode. Okay. So I got to take some points away here because this is not how computers work and it bothers me. So I have to take points away because first of all, they decide to Oz and Xander show up to help 
Giles try to work the computer. And Buffy shows up as well because Angel just gave her the idea. He said something about those kids and their parents. And then Buffy's suddenly like, what? Parents? No one ever mentioned parents. She comes to the library and they all work together to contact Willow, who is grounded. She's in her bedroom and her laptop is closed. And Oz decides he can like chat with her on the computer and it makes a noise. First of all, I don't know if back in 1999, if your lap, no, I'm pretty sure if your laptop is closed back in 1999, you had to hook up to a modem. That was like the only way. <laughs> so you wouldn't be just like signed in to the internet at all times. So they wouldn't be able to contact her via computer because she's like grounded and she can't come to the phone or some shit. So that's their explanation for contacting her via computer. So minus three for that little bullshit right there, because I don't think they would have been able to contact her because she would have had to sign in and, you know, um, they would have had to do that whole thing. <laughs> terrible. My terrible imitation of a modem. I can't promise it won't happen again. So three points away for that. Also, Willow immediately tracks down a bunch of old newspaper articles and sends them over to everybody in the library. Immediately she finds them all. Being that I have been a reference librarian, um, I guess technically I can't call myself a librarian. I don't have a master's in library science, but I call myself a fucking librarian because I've worked at a library for almost 15 years. So anyway, I used to work in reference and I know from personal experience, if you're trying to fucking find something in a goddamn newspaper, you gotta like go through microfilm for hours upon hours upon hours, or at the very least, even if they are digitized, which some of that shit is now in 2019, but in 1999, that shit was not digitized yet, hardly ever. So she finds a bunch of newspaper articles, articles online that have been digitized or in like city archives or some shit. I don't even know. They don't explain how she finds them. She just starts sending them over to him. Like within a course of minutes, <sighs> that would not happen. Minus 15 points because that pisses me off a lot. Okay. So they did originally have names. Like the earliest thing that they found was from 1649. First of all, are there newspaper articles from 1649? I mean, obviously it would have to be overseas, not here, <laughs> but uh, Greta and Hans. So maybe they originally died and then this demon sort of resurrected the storyline with these kids over and over. That's a level that I hadn't really put together until right now. So that's kind of interesting. We'll give the episode two points for that. So Sheila catches Willow on the computer and, um, she says, all I can do now is let you go with love. So, hmm, how many badness level points does Sheila get for that? This is when she's basically telling her that she's going to burn her at the stake and people are about to take her out of her home to city hall to burn her at the stake. How many points? How many badness level, badness level points do you get for burning your daughter at the stake? Let's think about this for a second. So far, she's got 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, three points. Let's double it. I think that should be doubled. So Sheila now has 66 badness level points. 
<laughs> um, we're also about to see Joyce chloroforming Buffy and taking her to City Hall as well. So we got to also double Joyce's badness level points. So how many does she have right now? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 39. So, okay, I guess that's... Should we give her an equal number of badness level points for burning her daughter at the stake, or should it actually literally be doubled? I think it should actually literally be doubled, even though that will put Joyce's badness level above Sheila's, because Joyce knows her daughter a lot better than Sheila knows Willow. And Buffy has saved Joyce's life a gajillion times. I realize that Joyce is under a spell, but I don't think that excuses this behavior. So I'm actually going to give Joyce 40 badness level points for deciding to burn her daughter at the stake. I've been doing this as like tick marks, but I'm not going to literally sit here and I did it with Sheila. I did 33 tick marks for Sheila. I paused it and did that, but I'm, I'm just going to write plus 40 next to Joyce's overall badness level for burning her daughter at the stake. This is, that's probably the last... That's probably the end of the badness level points because you, you can't go anywhere from there. You've done the worst thing that you can do if you burn your daughter at the stake. <laughs> um, I don't know if they're going to have any more points added at this point. Point at this point. Okay, that's actually kind of brilliant. I didn't really put this all together until now. When um, Giles starts, he basically has the theory that Okay, the way that I'm understanding it is they find that newspaper article from 1649, which I call bullshit on, of course, but they find that and it's, um, that's the only time that actual names were mentioned and, it, and it's Hans and Greta something or other. I don't remember what their last name was. So it's, they're German and they died, they actually died a very long time ago. And then some demons took it and ran with it and resurrected that storyline over and over in different parts of the world every 50 years. They do it exactly every 50 years for some reason, whatever. 1949 or 1649, 1699, you know, on and on up until now, 1999. And he, Giles is basically theorizing that um, folklorists, some folklorists believe that all fairy tales originated with truth. So maybe Hansel and Gretel, the story of Hansel and Gretel in the gingerbread house, started because these two kids were actually murdered at some point. And then demons sort of took that idea and ran with it. And like eventually a fairy tale was created surrounding the thing that was originally true. But now a demon is resurrecting every 50 years in order to... And he basically says some demons get off on people destroying each other instead of them. They just influence people destroying each other. And so the story of Hansel and Gretel was born of this. So I think that's kind of interesting. I'll give the episode 10 points for that. I think that's a well thought out, interesting plot point. I like it. Okay, this is something interesting that I did not think of myself. Again, credit to Buffering Podcast for this. Um, right after Joyce has chloroformed Buffy and she's about to pass out, she's laying on the floor, and Joyce looks up to the staircase where Hansel and Gretel are, and um, which points to this episode for pronouncing it correctly. Like, they make a point 
to like actually pronounce Hansel and Gretel like it's I would think it's actually pronounced so two points to the episode for that um but as Buffy is passing out she sort of like looks up and I did not notice this this was a little too subtle they could have done a little better job at this I think but there's like a little haziness to the image as Joyce is looking at Hansel and Gretel Buffy looks up and so it's kind of hard to tell unless you're really paying attention that I think it's the episode is suggesting that um, Buffy sees them in this moment so that's how she's gonna start to put it even more together because she sees them so now she understands that Joyce has been seeing them this whole time just a little side note we we get to see some interesting set pieces in this episode we see more of Willow's room than we normally do she has a great collection of pillows on her bed they're all very mismatched which makes sense to me whenever you're you know a little girl growing up into a woman growing up into a witch discovering who you are you still have some of your old shit and your new shit and I really like the way they do Willow's bedroom which I've said before because you can really see that combination of like little girl things mixed in with um older woman things like her collection is is mixed up and um so most people grow out of that phase my bedroom still looks like that but <laughs> I still have the unicorns right alongside the uh grown-up people perfume and shit like that but she does have um uh let's see she's got a red lava lamp she's got a little heart thing on the wall I didn't see her her cute little stuffed snake it's usually like draped across her headboard but it wasn't earlier in this episode so maybe that's the last time we see the snake I don't know um R.I.P. Willow stuffed snake um an object of affection from episodes past if we never see it again I will be sad and I do hope to have a stuffed snake of my own someday um okay so Xander and Oz have gone to Willow's house because they Michael came into he's all beat up and he came to the library to warn everybody that they're taking people out of their homes like apparently his dad had attacked him and somehow he got away and then Giles is like stay in my office I'm pretty sure we don't see Michael again ever so is he just locked up in Giles's office for all time that's real creepy but anyway um so Oz and Xander are aligned for the rest of the episode they are going to try to help but they're not going to actually do any good but that's nice I'm gonna give the episode three points for having Xander and Oz work together um, even if they aren't effective and actually especially because they're not effective because it's not the boys that save the day in this show that's not the point so so it is Amy Willow and Buffy that are being made an example of inside City Hall by the way <laughs> so the episode gets minus three points for for uh, burning people at the stake inside <laughs> they're using Giles's books as the like you know kindling for the fire so they're simultaneously destroying all of Giles's books at the same time that they're burning 
three women at the stake. So I think that's a very that's very powerful imagery, and it really gets the point across. So I'll I'll give three points to the episode for the effectiveness of that, even though it's very dark. And again, it's another thing that like I'm giving the episode points for, but the gravity of that is not going to carry through into any other episodes, which I think it should. Um, next scene is. Giles has been knocked out. I don't remember seeing that. I, it must have just happened really fast. But Cordelia is slapping Giles in the face. Are they in the library? Oh, yeah. Okay. They're at Buffy's house. Because um, when Joyce chloroformed Buffy, she had other moo people at her house. And they all ganged up on Giles and knocked him out as well. I think he was also chloroformed. So why Cordelia ended up at Buffy's house, I have no idea unless she just like decided that she was going to go ask for Buffy's help because of all the craziness that's going on. And then she found Giles was the only one there and he was knocked out. She's slapping him in the face repeatedly. So that's a really fun moment. Um, five points to Cordelia for slapping Giles in the face to wake him up. And then she's like, God, it took you long enough. My hand hurts. <laughs> oh God. Love it. Joyce, harsh. I wanted a normal, happy daughter, and instead, I got a slayer. Five points. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> to Joyce's badness level, because that's pretty awful. Then there's like this little exchange while they're lighting the torches to burn their daughters at the stake, where Sheila and Joyce are just sort of like, you know, it's been great connecting with you. We should have lunch sometime. And then they light their daughters on fire. So I got to give the episode two points for that because it's funny, but I got to also take away five points because that's evil. So then Amy is like, okay, you want to see a witch? And then she does a spell where she says, before the let the unclean thing crawl. And then she turns into a rat. Um, what? Hmm. I know she's, she turned Buffy into a rat before. She turns herself into a rat. Again, we get a gesture that like, cool. She turned herself into a rat so that she could fall right out of the ropes and no longer be burned at the stake. Great. But she also selfishly does not do anything to save Willow or Buffy. Also, they, before Giles and Amy worked together, to change Buffy back after she, after Amy had turned her into a rat back and bewitched, bothered, and bewildered, Giles and um, Amy worked together to turn her back. And they just, later in this episode, you see Buffy and Willow trying to do a spell together to turn Amy back, but they can't figure it out. And then they just sort of shrug, and Amy stays a rat for the next three years. Which is one of those things that just constantly bothers me, such as the fact that, like I've mentioned several times, Xander never gets his eye back after he loses it in Season 7. When all of the magical things that Willow knows how to do, she can't fucking restore. And there's this moment when she turns Amy back into a person again in Season 6, where she basically just says, I just realized I knew how to do it, and I did it. <laughs> like great. How come you can't just sort of realize you can restore Xander's eye and just do that? <laughs> um, maybe it's just like Xander deserves it, and so she just never does. I'll buy that. 
Sure, that's my new headcanon, so I can stop being pissed off about that. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this episode, but um, just another, I mean, just the fact that Amy just now, she turns herself into a rat, which is super cool, whatever, but then she stays a rat for three years because nobody bothers to try harder to turn her back. She's not important enough, I guess, so minus 15 points for that. Really should be more like 20. Let's say minus 20 for Amy being a rat for three fucking years. So, um, as soon as Cordelia wakes Giles up, they get in his Citron. He's got some, they probably stop by his house because they've got some shit and he's like barking orders at her as they're driving to, um, City Hall, um, to save everybody. And he's got a spell, he's working on a spell to reveal the demon's true identity, um, lifting a veil. And so he's, like, telling Cordelia to shred the wolf's bane and, like, put in the toadstone and blibbity blue and she's helping. And it's just nice to see Cordelia again. So let's give the episode three points for Cordelia working with everybody again. Not that she ever really wasn't, but just, like, this is one of the first times you see... Actually, it is. It is the first time you see her, like, joining the group again, which she will continue to do throughout the rest of this season. She'll become a part of the group again, even though she's no longer with Xander. She just can't stay away from fighting evil. This is what she is called to do, and Cordelia is one of my favorite characters, so three points to Cordelia for grinding up the wolfsbane with a pestle and mortar. Okay, five points to Giles, and five points to Willow, because, um, Giles breaks in he, to the city where they've got them, and um, sorry, the recording just changed because my card was full, but it only had that one file on it. Like, I know I've been talking a while, but it's a four gigabyte card. I guess I got to reformat it or something. So I'm now recording on my phone, so the quality probably isn't as great, but bear with me. So five points to Giles because he breaks in to the room where they're burning everyone at the stake, which again... They're all going to die in there. You can't burn two people at the stake inside. <laughs> Did they think about this? Anyway, um, so Giles breaks into the room and Cordelia, thinking on her feet, she immediately goes over to the fire hose and elbows, just like without a second thought, she breaks the glass with her elbow and gets out the fire hose and puts out the fire. Cordelia, saving the day, Five points of Cordelia. Um, Giles also starts doing the spell to like reveal the um, the demon's true form, and they they turn from Hansel and Gretel saying, "You gotta kill the bad girls." Um, they morph together into like you know a big ugly beast, and that is when um, Buffy is she's struggling on the stake, and she's um, finally able to like break it off at the base somehow and bend over and sort of stake the demon and it's a really funny moment because she's still tied to the stake and um so the top of it is impaled in the demon and she's like did I get it did I get it like looking around because she can't actually see um cute moment cute cute moment um let's give five points to the episode just for that cute moment right there Right after Buffy impales the demon guy, um, Xander and Oz fall through the ceiling because they were, like, going through the ducks to get to them. Um, and they just fall through the ceiling and everybody looks over at them and Xander says, we're here to save you. So episode gets three points for that cute little moment. Um, 
then the episode sort of wraps up with Buffy and Willow trying to turn Amy back into a person. Okay, so that's it. Buffy, the last thing that Buffy says in the episode, um, when they like look at each other and they've tried the spell again, it's kind of been shown that they've tried a few times and um, Amy is still the rat. Buffy says, maybe we should get her one of those wheel thingies. First of all, um, just another opportunity to take points away from this episode before I do the final math. Um, I mean, obviously no one thinks about this shit. People don't normally think about this shit, but rats, unfortunately, only have a lifespan of around two years. <laughs> so I guess maybe Amy is a magical rat since she started out as a human. So maybe that's the loophole, but we don't see Amy again for a at least three years. That's the next time she's turned into a, that's when she's turned back into a human. So rat life lifespan, she would be dead. So just saying, um, how many points do we take away from that? Uh, just three, let's say. Okay. Um, Sheila badness level. I'm going to take away. Well, I haven't been taking away badness level points. So Let's just go ahead and give the episode one point because there's just like this little moment of Willow mentioning that um, Sheila's got um, selective forgetting, like not really remembering everything that happened throughout the episode. Um, but she does remember the part where Willow said she was dating a musician. So Oz has to come over for dinner. So then she kind of says, so I guess that's taking an interest. And it kind of is. That kind of is. Um Willow's mom taking an interest in her life if she wants to meet her boyfriend. So Sheila gets a point for that. Um, not a badness level point, but a good point. So now I have to do all of the fucking math that I set up for myself in this episode. So let's pause so you guys don't have to hear me going, okay, two plus four plus uh, carry the three. Okay. Um, so hold on. Let me do that math. Okay. We're time for, <laughs> we're time. Um, we're ready for all of our final, all of the maths. Um, I felt like I was, I was giving points to the episode more often than I was taking them away. But every time I gave points to the episode, I was giving like two, three, five, you know, like, and every time I was taking points away from the episode, it was much more likely that I was taking away at least five, sometimes 20, sometimes 40, um, sometimes 15. Um, so the final score is... In the positive, 120 points. In the negative, 234. So that equals out to the episode because just the point system, independent of Joyce and Sheila's badness levels, is negative 114 for this episode. <laughs> totally arbitrary, but just because I thought it would be fun to like... Normally, I just take really detailed notes, several pages upon pages of notes, but this time I just decided to do a point system. So what do you guys think about that? Like, I don't want to do that every episode, but I think that's an interesting way to do like a watch along type episode like this one is. Um, I think it worked out okay. What do you guys think? I mean, it's math, but it was it was fun math, arbitrary and fun. So negative 114 is what the episode gets because of all my points that I added and took away. Joyce's overall badness level ended up being 84. Sheila, her badness level 
ended up being 66. But actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because we never even see Sheila again, and she's barely mentioned again, ever, 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 let's go ahead and add another 10. So her overall badness level is 76. Um, so that's the math so far. Let's go ahead and get into the ratings of the episode. Um, outfit, there really weren't really any good outfits in this episode. I'm going to give it to Amy's very first outfit when you see her because she's got like sort of some goth inspired, darker, she kind of has a smoky eye going on. She's got some dark lipstick. She's got a necklace. I can't totally see what it is, but it looks like it might be an anatomical heart. So it's like a silver chain with possibly an anatomical heart on it. It's kind of a cool little necklace. Um, you don't really see the whole outfit, but I think it might be like a long skirt with, it's a black shirt that has some kind of pattern on it. It just reminds me of something that I would have worn in 1999, even though you can't really see it all together. Throughout most of the episode, Buffy's wearing like ill-fitting khaki colored corduroys and like sort of a pale army green nondescript shirt. I mean, a perfectly normal outfit for a teenager to wear when they're stressed out and their mom's burning them at the stake, but it's not a great outfit. Um, Joyce has got a nice necklace at one point, but overall the fashion, pretty terrible in this episode. Um, maybe I'll give it a tie to Amy and Michael. Like we'll never see Michael again, ever. We don't even get to see that he made it out of Giles's office. Like, how long does he hide inside Giles's office waiting for someone to tell him everything's okay now? <laughs> that makes me want to take more points away from this episode again, but it's already negative 114, so that's fine. Um, so I'll give it a tie because um, Michael's outfit was good too. He had the Ankh necklace and um, just overall kind of goth-inspired outfit. They didn't go too over the top with the gothness, um, so I thought it was cool. It's too bad we never see Michael again because honestly, that would be a lot of fun. Like they could have, they should have enlisted both Giles and Michael to help with the spell. Like why is Buffy the one helping with the spell to turn Amy back from being a rat? A rat? She doesn't do spells. Like she's not the person that you do a spell with. Like no, <laughs> Cordelia is better at doing spells than Buffy. Anyway, so outfit, we'll give a tie to Amy and Michael. Let me write that down that I'm amending. Michael gets to be, Michael gets to be involved. This is his only episode. Um, the quote of the episode, I'm going to give it to Joyce whenever she said silence is this town's disease, because I agree with her on that point. Um, my, I always like to pick an object from the episode, as you guys know, that I want to pluck out of the episode and keep for myself for all time. And in this case, I want it to be the altar cloth that Michael and Willow and Amy were using in their protection spell for Buffy's birthday. Because it was just like a big black altar cloth with that cool symbol written on it. Which prompts me to, I told you guys I would look up what that symbol is. So I guess I have to actually spend some time on the internet right now trying to look that up. Hold please. Okay, that was like... um a three minute Google search, but from what I could find from that three minutes, which I used to be a reference librarian, so I know how to look things up on the internet. Um, it's possible that if I spent more time with it, I might actually find something, but from what I could find in three minutes of efficient 
former reference librarian searching. I think it was just made up for the episode. But still, I still think, you know, symbols and sigils, they mean whatever you want them to mean. And even if it was made up in an episode of TV, it's this beautiful symbol. And I love it. Um, so I think I want to make my own altar cloth. I mean, it would be really easy to do. I just need a piece of fabric cut to whatever size I want the altar cloth to be. And then I can paint the symbol on it. Like, done. I want to do that. So this particular object of the episode is one that can easily be, ob be obtained. And I hope to use it in spells in the future. So... That is something I'm taking away from this episode. I'm going to have my own altar cloth with this beautiful protection symbol on it. And I'm into it, even if it's not a symbol that originated from somewhere other than fiction. I'm okay with that. Fine with me. Um, MVP of the episode. I'm giving that as a tie to Giles and Cordelia because they're the ones that saved the day in this episode. They worked together. They did the spell. Um... Cordelia, you know, elbowed the glass. Of course, Buffy saved the day like she always does as well by actually killing the demon. But I mean, I normally don't give the MVP to Buffy unless she does something super over the top heroic. Um, so let's do our five by five ratings then. Treatment of women in this episode. I mean, obviously they almost get burned at the stake. Joyce and Sheila are terrible. And, you know, not only are they terrible, but it is just shown that even your mom can easily be turned against you by some stupid demons. So I think that really takes, takes some points away. Obviously, the, you know, it's Giles and Cordelia that save the day, but it's mostly Giles. Um, also Buffy, but... Giles did really the heavy lifting. If he wasn't able to lift the veil with that spell, Buffy might have actually been burned at the stake. They showed her, like, you know, starting to pass out, not really being able to... Like, she was about to be burned. Like, she wasn't... She didn't have, like, the strength to break off of that... To break the stake that she was being burned on until Giles showed up and did the spell. And maybe it was just because she was kind of loopy from all the flames. But um, everyone in the room would have been loopy from the flames since they're burning people at the stake inside. Sorry, I'm not letting that go. So anyway, um, I think, yeah. So if Giles hadn't shown up, would Buffy have been burned at the stake? So it's like he did save the damsel in distress a little bit. Overall, I mean, it's not a terrible treatment of women episode, but... And women really drove the story completely. It's Joyce that led this entire witch crusade. She led the plot absolutely and completely. So treatment of women this episode, it's not great, but it's not terrible. So I'm going to give it a three. Kind of in the middle there. Um, as far as enjoyability of this episode, despite all the times that I took away 15 points for things, I was doing it Every time I thought it was effective, it's just they don't let this episode have the gravity that it needs to have, which I really think, I mean, this is sort of treated as a monster of the week episode, but a lot of heavy shit was in this episode that if they had let it affect future plots and continuity, it could have 
integrated into the storyline of the entire series in a much more effective way. If they had let that happen, this episode could have become a bigger deal. So, um, I think taken on its own, not knowing about the continuity that's not going to be there from this episode, they introduced that Michael character that could have been a part of future plots. They introduced, you know, the extreme neglect of Willow's mom that could have been a part of future plots. They introduced the extreme gullibility and how quickly Joyce turned on her daughter, which could have been a part of future plots. Like, we're just supposed to believe that Joyce is a great mom and we love Joyce. But evidence has not shown Joyce as being a great mom hardly ever. So, I don't know. I think this episode taken on its own really is a good episode. Like, I remember it as being a bad episode, but it's really not. It's very well structured. It sets up some heavy shit. There's a lot of jokes packed in. It's a good episode. I'm going to give it a four. So four by three is 12. So the episode overall gets a 12 in points. It gets a negative 114. Joyce's badness level is 84 and Sheila's badness level is 76. You got all those numbers. Good. All right. <laughs> um, what else we got to talk about? Um, that's it, really. Um, I will be back next week. Prepare yourself because next week is going to be upsetting. Next week is going to be really the only time, like we saw that Giles sort of has a dark past, but that really wasn't a detriment to who Giles is now. Um, this is next episode is really the only time we see Giles being a bad dad. It's going to be upsetting. He's definitely not going to get most valuable player of the episode. Um, interesting. I wonder if they did this on purpose. Gingerbread is really an episode where Joyce is betraying Buffy big time. And the very next episode, Helpless, when she turns 18, Giles, as her watcher, has to perform. He is supposed to perform as her watcher this terrible ritual in which he drugs her and takes her powers away. So... Right next to an episode where her mom fully betrays her, we have this episode where Giles fully betrays her, her father figure, essentially. So it's going to be really upsetting. I'm going to not enjoy it at all because I don't like seeing Giles being a bad guy. And this is really the only time we have to do it. So we're just going to have to power through. I'll be back next week. We'll power through. the. We'll see if we can forgive Giles at the end of the episode. It might take some time. So we're going to have to see him taken down and we're going to have to build him back up again. But will we ever be able to trust Giles again? I don't know. Okay. So we'll talk about that when we get there. Thank you for listening to another incredibly long episode of What's This Bitch Talking About. Um, you guys are the best. I love you so much. If you ever want to talk to me about anything that I say in these episodes, if you ever want to push back on anything, agree with me, disagree with me. Two different ways you can do that. You can message me on my Mixtress Buffy Instagram, um, or you can send me an email to mixtressradio at gmail. So either way, I'd love to hear from you. Mixtress is spelled M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S. -S. Ray is spelled 
No, you don't care about Ray. Mixtress Buffy, you know how to spell Buffy. Message me on Mixtress Buffy's Instagram page or um, mixtressradio at gmail is the email again. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk about this shit with you guys. So I will see you next week. Bye.